Present Age Podcast, episode number three. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me today is my friend, stand-up comedian, actress, speaker, and author, Sarah Benincasa. You may know Sarah from books like Real Artists Have Day Jobs, DC Trip, Great, and my personal favorite, Agora Fabulous, Dispatches from My Bedroom. Let's get started. So I was on your podcast, Well, This Isn't Normal, back in April of last year. And uh, I think at the time, I was still kind of under this impression that this was all going to be somewhat temporary in terms of pandemic-related stuff, that by the fall, things would return to a sense of normalcy. And now more than a year later, it seems like we're just starting to get back to whatever normal is. Uh, So I know that the pandemic hasn't exactly helped my mental health, but I'm doing my best to power it through. I was kind of wondering, how are you holding up these days? I am doing pretty well, um, but that's not, you know, so much of that is not of my own doing. It's of my own doing in the sense that I've gotten help. I've I've asked for help and, and gotten help, right? But what I mean by that is that it's not internally generated. I haven't done it all on my own. Like I I am a member of a 12-step program um, and I am a person who goes to therapy every week, talk therapy with somebody who specializes in addiction and also does a lot of stuff with um, mindfulness. She's also a mindfulness meditation teacher. And then I see a psychiatrist once a month. And all of this happens online, although I did go to an in-person 12-step meeting, which was very cool for the first time in a long time. That was very special to get to do that. But um, I've also got family and friends who are engaged in their own self-work, whether it's through the work of sobriety, through the work of talk therapy. you know, through fitness for them, their their mental health, um, whatever it, and obviously physical health too, whatever it may be. I mean, I I'm I've just started doing Pilates, which is very helpful with breathing and just being in my body. Which for a lot of people, I know, it's hard if if you were sort of like either if you're dealing with some some difficult memories of trauma that that cause you to disengage from being in the physical body, or if you simply are somebody who mostly has gotten um, positive feedback from stuff you do with your brain, which your body moves is is your brain too. But you know what I mean? If you sort of got all your pats and love and approval from say getting good grades, um, maybe the physical aspect of health was not emphasized or whatever. So, so what I'm saying is like through teachers, facilitators, mentors, sponsors, things like that, that, you know, it, it, it is a village of humans who Help, help me stay on point. But I, I also, Parker, cannot believe that was April of last year. That, was, that That's the thing. I had to look it up and I was like, oh no, <laughs> it has been Whoa. so long. It's been a year and three months, I guess. So Damn. time flies when you're uh, living <laughs> through a once in a generation pandemic, I guess. Time is different now. I, I, time is absolutely. There's a, a somebody who I met in person after talking to them for four months, and it was the first time we hung out, and um, or maybe the second time we hung out. People said like, "Oh, how long have you known each other?" 
And we said, oh, this is just our second time hanging out. And then we said, oh, but we we talked to each other for four months online. We became friends. And then it made sense. And other people shared stories of the same. Time is different. The emotional time is emotional time is different from chronological calendar time, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's an interesting, interesting way to think about it. Because, yeah, I mean, like if uh I'm trying to remember pre-internet days or pre, you know, where or where I would make friends in Victorian era or pre, you know, gosh, pre-invention of the telephone epistolary relationships. Like it's all going to be in a Ken Burns documentary and a sepia filter, but it's over emails and texts instead. So much of it is through words where we don't get the visual cue. Like right now you and I are using video, which is great because I can see your visual cues and the movement of your face. But like there are still some pieces of information that we could only pick up from each other by being in person. Just the, you know, um, I don't know, like if if there's a loud sound, to me, it's not going to sound the same as it does if I were in the room with you. And I could see how you react to that. And I wouldn't intellectually be parsing that, but I would notice, oh, okay, that, that sound really startled Parker. Um, you know, maybe Parker really just doesn't like that kind of sound. Or maybe it would startle me too. Like, oh yeah, a bomb exploded um, down the block. Uh, nobody was hurt in this theoretical example. I'm just pulling, yeah. you know, just pulling real world experiences from shit the LAPD did recently, <laughs> like lighting, like blowing up a bunch of fireworks, fireworks and horribly damaging things. But like, you know what I mean? There's some things like, what if, what if I smell really bad to you? You don't know that right now. You could just think I'm great. And then in person, you could be like, this is terrifying. Be like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been friends with her. She smells so bad. I invited her to my my wedding or like the (laughs) baptism of my eighth child or something. Or I told my family like, you're going to love her so much. And she smells terrible. And I bet she smells nice. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weird assumption to make. (laughs) It is true though Um, for, for... dating people have said to me multiple times you have to see if you guys like the way the other person smells which i think that's so gross to say it like that but i also think it's very true that's yeah i mean that's probably true because i mean if if someone or something smells that kind of kind of throws off the entire the entire vibe you know yeah, and um, pheromones too. It might not. I think yeah, it might not even be. I might have a perfectly nice perfume or whatever, but there is something chemical that happens that we know about, where people just pick up on cues about each other, and and you fit or you don't. And I think that can sort of oh, it's chemistry. It's it's yeah. you don't know if you have chemistry, chemistry of friendship, chemistry of romance. I have a friend with whom I have great creative chemistry. It's not a sexual chemistry. Although sexual chemistry is creative, but it's a um, just we get excited about pitching ideas back and forth, and it's fun, and it feels like kids kids playing in a sandbox is what it feels like. Very sort of um, pure delight. And on that note, um, in terms of pitching ideas and stuff, what what have you been working on? What's you're you're always working on something cool and different and. You know, you're, you're the, it's, oh, she, she's comedy writer on Twitter and uh, writing books and stuff like that. Um, what, what have you been up to lately? Any, Thank any, you. Any cool professional things or just kind of. 
Well, I was talking, uh, I did my buddy Chris Gethard's podcast, which is called New Jersey is the World. And Chris was saying, first of all, Chris's, I wish I had Chris's career. Like Chris's career is above and beyond what 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 I have done in my opinion creatively, which I know we're not supposed to compare, but I'm just I'm just prefacing this. Chris said in the podcast, he was like, you know, I feel like you are a person who has a career that's really similar to mine, and that people are like, are you a writer, or a comedian? You act once in a while, like what what do you do? You know, it's it's a bunch. We've we both are very. I I think he would probably agree that we are very fortunate to have gotten to have careers like the ones that that we have. Um, and the respective ones that that we've had, and and Chris is an incredible performer. I, I am much more of a writer, but I do enjoy performing once in a while. Um, I you know I have a day job. One of my books is called Real Artists Have Day Jobs. So I work in nonprofit digital marketing, which is really fun. And like as a sober person, oh my god, what a change it made! It helped influence me to get sober, um, just because like oh suddenly my job wasn't showing up at to make jokes at 10 p.m in a club and then getting wasted and getting paid with booze. It was like, oh, your job is to is to be on the phone at a very specific time of day and figure out how to help out people in a certain way that they really need. That's real important. The nighttime stuff is cool too, but if you're hung over at 7 a.m. on that call, uh, that call's not going to go great and people will suffer, the people we serve through the nonprofit will suffer. So that was like one of the first, I mean, I still didn't get sober for another year and a half, but it was one of the things that made me go, huh, maybe like puking and having hangover diarrhea uh, is not the best move when I'm like having a pretty important phone call. So that was, that was very helpful, but also, you know, like uh, a paycheck is great and um, health insurance. And also I find a lot of meaning in that work. Um, And then I just, I wrote um, on a couple episodes of mystery science theater 3000, which is super fun and exciting. Um, Just joke, 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 joke pitching. Like, oh, wow. Just being on Zoom for hours with 10 hilarious people, just pitching jokes for robot puppets and a human to say. So that's super duper fun. And, you know, juggling that with a day job is obvious, was obviously something else. But, um, there is a benefit to being based on the East Coast when you're interested in Hollywood type stuff, uh, which is that if you can do it remotely, if you've got a normal times job on the East Coast, chances are you'll be you can do your West Coast work after hours. You know what I mean? Because of the time difference, it sometimes it works out. Yeah, sure. And and see, then then there's me like in the middle and you're in the, the central middle. Time zone. I'm just I'm just in the middle of everything. I'm close close to nothing, but not too far from anything. If that well, makes we, any sense, you know, course. it's like and you can we fly, actually, out, fly out west for a few, you know, yes. few hours. <laughs> it's perfect. And all, Gethard and I were talking about this on on his podcast, New Jersey is the World, on this most recent episode, which is that, um, which I don't know when when this podcast will come episode will come out, but this was like a this episode of his podcast dropped in like. I guess July 17th, something like that, 2021. Anyway, we talked, I, we were talking about things that are Jersey ish because we're both from New Jersey and so are the other hosts, um, uh, Mike and Nick on the show. And I said, Chicago is not, it's not the New Jersey of the Midwest. It's like the Manhattan or the Paris or the something, but there is an affinity that I often feel for people, um, 
this goes for Minneapolis too, but it's more for Chicago. It's um, because I think people from Chicago tend to be, or who've spent a significant amount of time there, tend to have a little more directness. They still have Midwest nice, but it's not Minnesota nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's like a makes, little more direct. And for whatever reason, I just tend to vibe with people f- who've from Chicagoland area or have spent a significant chunk of adult time there. They don't have to live there. And and it's and Chris was saying the same and the other guys on the podcast seem to agree like there's just like I don't know what it is. There's something down to earth maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think a lot of it comes down to this like not being not being New York but still being a big city. You know, yes. that kind of that kind of attitude where it's just sort of like, yeah, you know, it's like sh- Chicago. There's, it's gigantic and uh, there are a few million people here, but we're not we're not the big city that everyone talks about all the time. We, we don't appear in Marvel movies. <laughs> you know? We don't. That, that's yes. how I judge things. We don't get all of the attention that the other guys get. So we get to develop our own thing, not not in contrast to what is considered the standard, but in and of ourselves. We and and Jersey obviously is so much closer to New York. So Jersey is is so much sort of like a always the weird like weird stepbrother to Philly and then the definitely not as cool at all younger sibling to New York City somehow like the forgotten one and and so Jersey is full of people who kind of have have something to prove all the time but then also are just really happy to be from Jersey like a lot when you get when where you're from gets shit on a lot you you probably defensively create um get some pride around it but also Jersey is it's the most densely populated state. It is the third smallest state. It is so diverse, so diverse, so many languages, so many countries of origin, um, so many different areas, and so many – I mean, also, it's it's a blue state, but I grew up in a very red pocket. So mm-hmm. there are parts of Jersey that are extraordinarily – progressive and parts of Jersey that are super, super conservative. And then you've got everything in between, although the state as a whole tends to vote Democrat um, in in general elections anyway for the presidency. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and it's it's kind of the same – same here in Illinois. It's uh, I I, I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago in an area that was – super red <laughs> but you know it's like you go an hour n- north to chicago and suddenly it's everything is super blue it's it's just a total flip but um i like it here you know so yeah, it's so I've, awesome. I've lived here my my whole life and kind of uh it's it's my my big uh reason for staying in the midwest has always been well, if climate change destroys the coast, we will be kings. Yeah. I think you're correct. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's a hundred percent correct. But I then, think California's but, worse, but yeah. New York's going to have its issues. 
Yeah, I was, and 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 then I read a New York Times article recently that was like, oh yeah, B, BT Dubs Lake Michigan is going to destroy <laughs> Chicago, and I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> my if plans all out the window. If you're, I guess near I have water, to care about this stuff fucked. now. Yeah, like if you're near water, you're fucked. But if you're not near water, you're also fucked. I mean, part of my decision to, I I bought a place in Fort Greene in um, Brooklyn. And um, part of my decision to do that, first of all, had to do with the fact that like, I absolutely, uh, there was no other time in my life where it would have been possible based on mortgage rates and based on what was, what, what homes were going for. Um, Also based on the fact that like, uh, I have been sober for a few years now, so started to make better decisions and undo some some long-term damage and stuff. Um, so I bought uh, a tiny, tiny place f- compared to what somebody from, honestly, from Chicago would be like, are you kidding? And to me, I'm like, it's a palace! I can reach out my hands on either side. This is glorious. And, you know, the person I bought I can from, twirl. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure. But I don't want to speak for him, but I'm pretty sure the person I purchased from um, probably went to their other house or their other, other house or their other, other, other house. Like, I think, I, I don't know if this place was a rounding error, but they, they took, um, an offer that, um, was a lot lower than they needed to. And I'm very glad about that. But anyway, so I, I bought a place in part because, uh, fire season last year was so horrible. This year it's on track to be even worse. Like, and, Between that and having been so far from my family for a while and and a desire to see my nephews grow up um, and to be closer to my family as my parents get older – uh, look, I know that like this place could very well be underwater, literally underwater, in 10 years. But um, it's probably not going to be on fire, knock on wood, at least from a, a wildfire uh, it could be on fire from something else. But, you know, I just kind of like, I'm not somebody who's like, fuck, get out of California. Everything else is better. But it was just sort of like, all right, I love LA very, very much. But um, I'm waking up coughing and with my eyes swollen all the time, like three months out of the year now. And I, I just don't like that. And my air filter is really good, but there's only so much it can do. So why don't I go home? buy a place that, you know, when I tell friends from other parts of the country what it costs, they have a heart attack. But when I tell other people in New York what it costs, they're like, oh my God, you're so lucky. Go into fucking real long-term debt, more debt than I've ever been in. But like have something that, you know, God forbid I I expire uh, prematurely, you know, it'll, I'll, I can leave it to my nephews. Um, and, or, or if I expire right on time, I can leave it to my nephews. And, uh, that was a real like long sort of discussion th- I'm babbling a lot, but, um, <laughs> but it, honestly, if I had tried to buy this place, even a month later, I couldn't have done it because by then the mortgage rates were going up and the housing values in this area were going up. I mean, New York lost 1%, not, not, uh, not through death from COVID. They lost a lot of people from death from COVID, but in the early months of the pandemic, they lost uh, 1% of the population of people moving. And I don't even know how many more people left after. So, you know, I feel very grateful, very fortunate, but also probably we should all move to Indiana. 
Indiana. I know that's an insane thing to say to somebody from Chicago. It Indiana is. is the New Jersey of Chicago. <laughs> I think, you know what, that is either being way too mean to New Jersey or way too <laughs> kind to Indiana. One, one of those two. Probably a little of both. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, si- similarly, uh, K- Kayla and I just just uh, moved moved to a new place in Chicago. We uh, we our rent kept going up and up and up, mm. and we kind of got to that point where we're like, a mortgage is cheaper. <laughs> did <laughs> so you buy a place? We did. We did. Oh my god! How many? Don't it, tell me how much. I know because you wouldn't anyway. But like, how many square feet is it? So I can kill myself. I mean, not uh, really kill myself. Uh, jokes about suicide are not usually okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, it's a. I think it's like it's pretty small. It's like fifteen hundred square feet. Excuse like, me, my place is five hundred twenty-three square. Are feet. you kidding me? I How? am serious. How? I am serious. Fifteen hundred square feet. I'm screaming at the cat. The cat is <laughs> asleep and doesn't care. God bless. That is so cool. Oh my god! But yeah, it's so exciting. We we just moved in. Um, what was it like? Uh, two two weeks ago. Yeah, we just moved into this new place <gasps> two weeks ago, tov. and it's it's so great. We're still getting unpacked, but as you can see, this this is my office. I have an office. You have an office. Ah, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you guys. But yeah, yeah. In- so- the city of Chicago in and the city. what an investment. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's uh, it's in the city, but it's like way on the edge. It's like, oh, cool. We have a Chicago mailing address and uh, Chicago taxes. <laughs> yay. <laughs> Which, yay. Still counts. Um, Still counts yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. But when it comes to getting to anywhere in the city that is fun, it is not uh, exactly an easy trip. So, <laughs> but yeah, so we did that. And then I also just, um, what was it in June? I left my, my full-time job. <laughs> so wow. I'm just, I've just been floating around. I, uh, bought a, bought a place, left the full-time job living yeah. the dream, not in a coastal <laughs> city that either just had wild floods in some of the subways or is, um, on fire a lot of the year. You're making good choices. I hope so. We'll see. That's very, um, very. Look, if we're going to be on, indoors a lot of the time, which we still are sometimes, where we want to have, I mean, well, in Chicago, first of all, of course you're going to be indoors. You will freeze for part yeah. of the year if you're outdoors. Or if you're you will boil be, if you're yeah, towards the if, other part of the year. If you're fortunate enough to, through various circumstances, be able to have a place, whether you're renting it or purchasing it, and, um, my mortgage is considerably less than what I would pay in rent on this place, which is nuts. Um, and if you're in the in a position where that happens and you can make that happen or people help you or however it happens, for anybody who's listening, however it happens, feel blessed and happy about it and don't do what I did, which is feel guilty that you were able to do a nice <laughs> thing for yourself and then potentially your family in the midst of a terrible thing because you know what people really hate more than people. I think that more than what people hate more than than somebody um, celebrating their their privilege is people 
being like, I feel so bad. I'm so lucky. I feel so bad. That's the most obnoxious yeah. thing you can do as a human. Well, also, when you when you remember that like 20 years ago, houses were super, super cheap. So even if you got a great deal today, mm-hmm. it's still not as good as it used to be. <laughs> I mean, the even so with there like, is that <laughs> like even buying this place from somebody who I think had three other houses. I don't know. But if he's listening, uh, sir, I don't know if you have three other houses. But even though this person uh, did very well for themselves, uh, chose a, a, a career that <laughs> where people make lots of money, a.k.a. not a writer. And, um, you know, just unloaded this place for if you adjust not much more than they bought it for many, many years ago, like I was going somewhere with that. Uh, if you, what I will say is that like my family is like, wait, that that's what you got. I mean, they like it. They're like, Oh, it's so lovely. But (laughs) you know, I can feel them trying not to say like, this is like, you gotta like there's midweek hotel suites in Vegas that are, three times the size of this probably, you know, like, I, I mean, yeah. I, it, but it's also, it's also not just about that. It's like, are you in a place where you feel comfortable? Uh, do you, I feel, you know, one reason I wanted to move back to Brooklyn, I've lived in Brooklyn a few times over the past 15 years. And one of the reasons I wanted to move back was that, you know, I wanted to live in a neighborhood where when I go on the street, I see everybody from babies to grandmas. If it's a neighborhood where there are people starting families and where there are elders, where there are new people, where there are old people, people from, (laughs) that sounds funny. It sounds like I'm saying young people or new people, but um, (laughs) you know, where you've got families that have been there for generations. You've got people who are starting families new there. You've got that. I, I like that where there's people putting time and energy into the community. That is a community that I would like to contribute to long-term. Yeah, definitely. That that makes that makes total sense. And that's uh you know, I'm 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 happy with with how things are and I think we're we're kind of in in similar situations as far as as far as our our housing setups are. <laughs> um Yeah, but, and we we don't yeah. we don't have the Delta variant yet yeah. that we Fingers know of. Crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, you know, knock on wood, like there it's really I, and I know it's it's hitting the the people who are hospitalized and dying from it are unvaccinated overwhelmingly. I also know that some people who are vaccinated can can get it, but but they're not they're they're suffering much, much less. And right. I feel fortunate that we're vaccinated and I'm assuming both of us are are vaxxed up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Can you believe that like <laughs> as soon some- as that was a possibility for me, I was I was running to the Walgreens to uh Jersey to, was to like it like jersey was made it so easy they're like oh do you smoke have you smoked like do you like jersey was like uh they made it the regulation so simple like bmi the bmi is fucked up it is Mm -hmm. grounded in in not just not just fat shaming and fat phobia but in racism and classism and so many different things it doesn't make sense it's not scientific it's stupid the one time I think yep. anybody I know has benefited <laughs> from the BMI's dumbass existing was that we all were like, oh, really? You ate a hamburger once? Time to go get that Rona <laughs> shot. I was like, fuck it. Let's go. Like people just yeah. roll. We were like, whatever we need to use as as our quote unquote excuse or reason. You looked at a cigarette once. 
like, come on, just go get it. And it, it just, it made life so much, it makes life better. If you haven't gotten vaxxed up yet and you can, please go get that shit. I'm sure most of the people who yeah. listen to this podcast have, but like, if you can, go it, get it. it. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you just know, and, and that's, it's so it's so funny to think about just a few months back there you know you'd see people constantly being like oh well some someone jumped in line and they and and they got a shot before they were supposed to and now it, you know you can't really give them away you're like please please go get vaccinated yeah for you your s- sake and and oh. i mean for for all of our sakes cuz yeah there's the delta variant now but then There'll be other shit bouncing around. It'll, you know, what if, what if there's like a really scary one down, down the line that, that the unvaccinated, you know, kind of help, help create. So, you know, don't, don't be, don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. (laughs) My brother is in school. He used to be a nurse. He's in school to get his master's in public health. And I want to find, I'm going into the family group chat to find something he said, because I shared what's happening in, in Los Angeles County right now, which is really, really bad. Um, and with my family, which is uh, LA County hits 10,000 coronavirus cases in a week. This is from the LA Times um, newsletter. LA County is now recording more than 10,000 coronavirus, coronavirus cases a week, a pace not seen since March 2021, an alarming sign of the dangers the Delta variant poses to people who have not been vaccinated um dot 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 a lot la times data analysis found la county was recording 101 weekly coronavirus cases for every 100,000 residents up from 12 per 100,000 residents for the same seven day period ending june 15th so that's pretty banana so i shared that with my family and my brother who's in school getting his master's in public health said shows how contagious new virus variant is the so-called Spanish flu went away because of herd immunity and it weakened. This thing isn't getting more deadly, but it isn't weakening, only more transmissible. Mask life forever. <laughs> um, so, well, because in LA, they just they re-implemented the mask mandate, right? They did. And my friend yeah. um, Alex Winter, who's a, a documentarian, he's an actor, he posted something on Twitter where he was like, basically, I'm paraphrasing, he said the only person who's like, st- who's happy that we're working from home again, and it was his cat, um, his family's cat. <laughs> and because I, I think, you know, he he has a, a you know, a document, I know he has a documentary filmmaking company, and they were able to like be in the office. And that's really cool for a little while. Yeah. And my, my buddy, um, Sam out in Colorado was like, well, you know, I, I forget what he does, but it's like a tech web thing. He's like, well, we got a full week back in the office before somebody tested positive. So yeah, now we're back yeah. at home again. Which it's it's so it's so it's 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 so frustrating because at this point, at this point, so much of it is preventable. Yeah. You know, it's like we can choose, you know, if we collectively choose to not have it be this way, to to not, you know, let the let the virus run free, uh, we could get get rid of it. But, you know, I mean, I guess we're we're all just doing the best we can, which is yeah. kind of how I how I try to in my mind keep from uh keep from having a rage blackout thinking about people who who make selfish decisions it's like well they're they're trying the best they can <laughs> yeah so. when i think about people who are i mean i have i have a, 
a, a, a friend from who is Latinx was like, you know, Sarah, it's not just, you know, I was like ragging on like, um, white con spirituality people like uh, people who think crystals will will heal it or you know people who are um you know obviously super right wing or whatever and this friend from who's latino was like listen it's not just that there's hesitancy in the latinx and black communities and i was like i fully get that but i, yeah. I get I, of course i understand but as a as a white as a white lady um it's a lot i didn't say it in so many words but i was basically like it's a lot I I can hold space and understanding for communities that have been directly impacted by medical racism, by experimentation, by the U.S. government, by being treated like shit at the doctor's office for a lot of different reasons. And I'm and that's not I'm not trying to be like a um, condescending ass white liberal or whatever. I'm just saying like if if you have people in a room and I'm like eat this peanut butter sandwich and one person's like somebody force fed my grandma a peanut butter sandwich and traumatized her forever and somebody else was like every time I go to the peanut butter store somebody tells me I'm stupid and then another person was like oh yeah peanut butter's never done anything wrong to me. I'm going to eat that sandwich. Like you know, I'm looking at the person eating the peanut butter sandwich and going, yeah, that's cool and if their cousin is like I won't eat it. It's full of poison. I'll be like you're what fuck you like yeah basically just you know <laughs> white people being like whatever man if we just all breathed and like shut up get out of here yeah and it's and, and not gonna help you with this oh uh, and that's what that's what gets me it's like if there was some because like i i understand i understand not wanting to be the first people to correct to get like, i got that 100 percent. see how it yeah. plays out over like six months with these other yeah, people like like that's that's the thing when it was like oh well here's phase one phase whatever and the vaccines I'm like well I don't qualify yet but that's not bad that's okay I'll 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 just kind of watch and then like it, you know a couple months passed or whatever and I was able to get it and it was great and now we've gotten to the point where there have been I, I looked it up the other day something like three billion doses of vaccine that have been administered it's I think wow. it's safe to say that it is safe. Probably, yeah, it's more. I mean, some you know? people you're gonna always have with any yeah. kind of medication. You're always gonna have um, some cases of bad reactions. Like yeah, I got the back in the day, they used to do the MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella mm -hmm. vaccine for for babies. I think it's called something else now. I got that. Most of the babies, all the babies I know, got it. All of my baby friends got it. <laughs> and you know, you if you look at a hundred thousand people taking anything, you're going to have um, a few who have a poor reaction, and unfortunately, sometimes it can result in in death. But like, these are the risks we are taking. Some people, I know people who are allergic to penicillin. Like I know my, my dad's is. allergic. To, yeah, my dad's allergic to it. I okay. I know people who somebody who um uh you know is allergic to latex. Um, you know, I know people who are this and that, like people, there's people have allergies that can be very inconvenient and even life threatening and, uh, like nothing in life is a hundred percent safe. So if, if the overwhelming chances are that you're going to be all right, like go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, ugh. I, I, uh, the, the one the one thing that kind of that depresses me about just kind of the collective response to COVID overall has been just realizing that there there are some people that 
given, you know, they're, they're watching relatives die and friends yes. die from this preventable thing. And they're, they're still digging their heels and saying, no, I, I, I will not do, you know, whatever small thing, whether it's wearing a mask or, or distancing or whatever, you know, they, they will not do it. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself, how, how do we come together to, to fight these, you know, these, these other problems that, that aren't as, as fast and direct and obvious to us, like, you know, yeah. like climate change. I mean, that's kind of a whole frustrating thing to kind of think about is just the fact that there are people who, when confronted with this thing that is affecting them extremely directly, you know, they're, they're saying, no, it's like, how are we going to get so many people on board to, take whatever actions necessary, whatever sacrifices are necessary to successfully combat climate change. And that's why I have so much respect for people who, who work on climate change or work, work, you know, in trying to find solutions to that. But it's, it's, it's hard to not just be really depressed thinking about it, thinking about how much of a challenge it is. There are, I mean, you know, there are people who, my friend's grandma died of COVID and like there are people who read her post about, about her grandma dying about like a wonderful young man at the hospital who learned her, her favorite um, a, a hospital volunteer who learned her favorite old Mexican songs, like Mexican popular songs from the forties and fifties and learned how to play them for her. Nice. Like oh, saw posts about her saying how the family said goodbye uh, and who still don't think COVID is real because they are the most selfish people in the world. And there are a lot of people who are real pieces of shit who, even if, they, you know, it could happen to their own grandma, but what's more important to them is their ego. And so I think that you can't cure selfish. That's what that's what's hard. You can't cure selfish. You can present, yeah. you can just keep presenting as many um you can penalize selfish. You can say, okay, you can't work here. You can't be on. I mean, I'm so glad that for a limited time, at least in Hollywood productions are, are um, banning anybody from set who is not vaccinated. That's very important because uh, those are hot spots. And there were a lot of productions that had to shut down over time because of COVID outbreaks and then come back. And so I think workplaces that where you got to be vaccinated to be there, good. Yeah, you can yeah. you can pick what you put in your body, but I uh, you you that doesn't mean that um, I have to accept it. If you show up to work drunk, I can send you home. If you show up to work unvaccinated, might make people sick and take down the workplace. I can send you home. Like uh, you know, I don't. I think that there are things we can do with communication. Um with gentleness and compassion, but it doesn't have to mean uh, tolerance always, not tolerance of of um, potentially of harm. Yeah. yeah. You can go, oh, okay. I can see why you believe that way. You are a racist white person who was raised by racist white people. You had a lot of early trauma in your life and you're in pain and you found a home on the internet among um, anti-vaxxers. And so that's what you're down for. Cool, cool. Still can't come to work. Go work on yourself. Hope things turn out for you. Yeah. You know, I think that's- I, I don't uh, have to curse you out. I don't have mm-hmm. to tell you you're dumb. I'll just go, oh, okay. See that in context. You're not yeah, welcome that, here. 
that that's why that's why those the, like there there are a few states that are you know implementing these laws where it's like oh you you can't force someone to come on come on like man. I if I walk into a business if I if or for example in Florida they did that and the cruise industry which one I cannot imagine taking a cruise right now but it's gross yeah I mean I so I I I took a cruise in December 2019. It was the the first and only cruise I've ever been on because <laughs> my family my family was like my parents were like yeah we want to take like a big family vacation while everyone's still still around and I was like that's great sure wasn't thrilled about the cruise because I'm really weird about germs generally, which has made this whole thing a really interesting time for me. Um, yeah, but, because but it's, we, it's we, confirming all your fears. Yeah, exactly. Which is not but, always healthy. Yeah, yeah. But we, you know, so we so we went on this, uh, we went on the cruise and, and it was fun. And I was like, oh, that was a great time. That was fun. But now I... I, I cannot imagine in doing that just, just because... First off, you know, COVID's still going around, but also in Florida, they're trying to fight to to make it so cruise ships can't require like passengers to be vaccinated if they want. I I could understand if a if a cruise company company wanted to be like, hey, you, you, we're just going to be the free for all cruise where you can be vaccinated or not, we don't care. That would be fine if that's the choice they want to make. Oh, the sexy but. cruise. We're the wild and sexy cruise. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like that. We're, we're, you know, we're the virus cruise. Ooh, that's <laughs> hot. Let's do it. Hey, some people would be very into it for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to like compliment you though, Parker. I know I'm moving around and making audio weird right now, but um. <laughs> Hey, guess what, everybody? I'm plugging in a lamp um, because my laptop was dying and now I'm reviving it. But um, oh, right. I do want to just like compliment you as somebody with uh, agoraphobia. Um, for somebody who has, if you say weird about germs, I'm not making it a phobia. I'm just saying for somebody who has high anxiety around anything, to challenge that by doing something that's fun is awesome and i think you should be proud of yourself that you did that oh it was it was so difficult i for weeks leading up to it i was in therapy like really trying to prepare myself i was like i know this thing will be fun and it will probably be fine and i'll survive and we'll get home and i'll be like that wasn't so bad because that's that's how i approach everything in life it's yeah it's i i, I freak out about it leading up to it and then i every single time i'm like Oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. You know, that that was that's kind of what happens with uh any anytime I agree to do a speaking gig, <laughs> it's oh, I don't know if I want to go. I'll uh, I I don't want to take an airplane by myself and I don't want to have to stay in a in a hotel and I don't want to have to be in front of a big group of people. But then I get there and I do the thing and it's fine and it's And that's anticipatory anxiety. That it's yeah. once you actually do it you're fine. And I think that in some cases, not not to endorse or recommend developing anticipatory anxiety, anybody, but like, not that you can really, you can make yourself endorse. You'd have to reverse. I would choose not to if possible. Yeah. It, you'd have to like reverse a clockwork orange yourself or something real weird and be like, I'm going to make myself afraid of this. But like, you know, I think sometimes there is more enjoyment as a result because you're like, oh, I was so scared. And now- 
oh, this isn't so bad. There's sort of a, and it helps you for the future. Every time you challenge even a tiny bit challenge and anxiety thing, like, um, like Talia Lavin writes a lot about mm -hmm. how she deals with agoraphobia right now. And I'm always saying, or, you know, privately, I don't think she would care if I said this publicly, like, holy shit. Like you're challenging it because she posts about running and stuff like you're yeah, I was, yeah. uh, when I was in my worst agoraphobia, I was afraid to leave my bedroom to go into the bathroom to pee. I was urinating in bowls like it's it's in my memoir. Agora Fabulous. Yeah. If that's your thing. I, I like that book. I've, I've read <laughs> it. Thank you very much. But it's very good. Know, so I'm like, Talia, like you're you're running like, yes, at first it was just one route and it's like she would show me the image of it and it was just like back and forth across this block. Now it's expanding. She's every single day that she runs outside her home. She's challenging a debilitating psychiatric disorder that she's also working on in other ways. And mm -hmm. again, I would not share any of this if it wasn't stuff that was shared publicly already, of course. Right. But like even if she fucking like walks outside for um, five minutes. That's, that's it. Like the really big deal. So the fact that you got on a cruise, I got on a cruise stuff there, stuck there for, uh, see, I, I think the, the one benefit that I, that I have in life is, is that I'm, I'm married to an extremely amazing person who, who completely understands and completely ex accepts all of my mental issues, you know, and, and, that, and that is, uh, that, that's something that I'm, I'm very lucky. Kayla is great. She is wonderful. And she helped me get through the, uh, the, the issue with the cruise. She helped me the whole, the whole time. That's so uh, cool. Just, you know, making sure that things were okay. Wasn't, didn't pressure me into doing, um, you know, the, the off the boat excursion type things, which was <laughs> one, one of my fears. I, I stayed on the boat, uh, for, for a couple of those, which was still kind of fun. It's nice when everyone else is off the boat and you're just like, Ooh, I have the whole, the whole thing to myself. If I ever go um, on a cruise, I might do what you just described. Cause like I'm listening through it instantly. Whenever I hear about a cruise, my agoraphobia like brain kicks in. So it's not like making me anxious. It's just, I start thinking about it through that lens, that disordered lens. But because I have so many years of cognitive behavioral therapy and, um, mindfulness and stuff. And, you know, it, it still flares up Oh, and medication. It still flares up, but I, you know, you get back on the horse, so to speak. Um, yeah. and what, when I hear, I'm like, I listen to it through that. And then I listen, and then I think, oh, well, how could I, how could I make modifications so that I could enjoy it? And I never thought about that, but that would be like being in an, that would be like a night at the museum, like an empty, yeah. like magical place. That would be kind of cool. It's like, I'm going to keep going to that, that soft serve ice cream machine. And no one's going to stop uh, me. No I one's going to be like, you've had five. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I've had uh, Prozac and now I'm going to have other Prozac, which is what I call that machine inside my head. Yeah, like, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, whoa. But probably but yeah, you'll never yeah, go on a I, cruise again, uh, at least until you're older, considering like the concerns about the Rona, Miss mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah, it, it was a good time by the end of it. By the end of it, I was actually so okay with, with the state of things that I was just kind of like, you know, maybe we should do this again. And then this hit. And, and Immediately I took it, it was like, maybe not. Several right. steps backwards. But, but like, yeah. maybe one day you will when it's safer. And it yeah. will be safer eventually. We'll just be old as hell by that point. But which those, those are the, those are the, the people who seem to have the cruises down the most, the, the elderly. 
who end up on there. They they're the ones with these little like booklets like this is my 20th cruise. That's all I do for for my life now, which that sounds awesome if that's what you're into. Just traveling just constantly. Sounds, and all the things that the yeah, and the fact that like whatever they've dealt with in their life, whatever they've been through, that now they get to enjoy the open sea and they get to have fun and I do think that I mean, I know I'm a I'm a bit older than you. I'm 40. Um and I'm 35. Okay, so you can run for president now, thank God. But so this might apply even more for you. For my generation, which is the same as well, you're like a full millennial and I'm like a zennial, right? Zenial. On the cusp. But so I was in high school when the hit major motion picture Titanic came out. And I think that it definitely made some people I know for like into our 20s. I remember a few friends being like, yo, but I do think about my grandma wants to go on a cruise, but I think about Titanic. And I feel like it was, is for some of us, it was burned into our minds. Maybe people who tend to be anxious anyway. Um, we were like, oh my God, but what if that happens? And then people seem to have gotten over that. But, um, you know, the indelible performance of a young Leonardo DiCaprio and Miss Kate Winslet, um, it really did it's, something for me. I was like, hmm. It, it's still so awkward for me. I, I, I went and saw Titanic with my mom and I was like, I was like, I don't know. You were in middle like school, maybe. Yeah, you like were little. 12 when that came out. And it was just weird because it was like, oh, and now he's going to sketch her naked. And I'm just like, this is fine. This is fine. Everything is cool. Everything's and, normal. You know, and then there's the my, part where they have sex and she, you just see the hand, yeah, the hand, hand up and you're like, what's happening there? Yeah. And I just have to just keep going. Pretend nothing's, pretend nothing weird is happening on screen as my mom is kind of like, I, I could see her glancing at 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 my brother and me, my brother who was three years younger than me, even. And I was just like, no, no, everything's cool. That's everything's cool. cool. My uh, yeah. my buddy Jeanette is in that movie. She's Jeanette Goldstein. She's an actress, and she owns my favorite lingerie shop, Jeanette Bras, which you can visit. They've got more than bras. You can visit them in. And many places in Los Angeles, but also in Atlanta now. But Jeanette is an actress and she's been in a bunch of James Cameron movies. And like she was um, John Connor's stepmom in uh, Terminator 2. And she oh, okay. was a Vasquez in Aliens, uh, Private Vasquez, who was like hot and butch. And she was in, in a bit part in Titanic. She plays, I think she plays... She was wouldn't have been an elderly person because her age wasn't right, but she plays like a um, mom to like dying children, <laughs> like oh. where they're like, okay, children. I think uh, she's the one who's like, part. okay, kids, and like puts them to bed and reads them a story as they all die. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, um, like that's why uh, that part. I mean, obviously, I didn't know her back in my teens, but like that part stands out to me. And the old yeah. people holding each other. <laughs> But anyway, we don't have to worry about that so much as we have to worry about coronavirus. Yeah, we're just ha we just have to worry about the air that we breathe giving us a, a an infection that that kills us, which is yeah. you know cool. That's, sure, that's cool that that's it's just a, it's, floating it's, around out there. Yeah, it's a real <laughs> different kind of bananas. I've I've noticed in New York City right now, um, a lot of people wearing masks on the street. Some people don't. But when you go into stores, some stores right now have signs up that say you have to wear a mask. Other stores don't. We have indoor dining. We have outdoor dining. Um, some restaurants will say like, please put on your mask when you go to the restroom. Others don't. 
I think it's going to get more restrictive because I think that as with climate change, like the first time around, New York was the canary in the coal mine for this thing mm-hmm. that the rest of the country should have paid attention to and didn't. And LA yeah. got to horrific levels of suffering as a result that were absolutely unnecessary. Um, this and, and this time around, as with climate change, I think California is the canary in the coal mine because they got the COVID variant or excuse me, the Delta variant first. So they have gone back into, um, like, I think they still have indoor dining as of this recording, but you have to wear masks and, and they have a stronger anti-mask contingent out there. They just do. And like, it's a problem. And I don't know, I'm glad that we live in places also where it gets cold because it's very comforting to have that mask on anyway in the cold months. Yeah, that that's something that in the winter, it's like, oh, well, that's that's a cool idea. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, uh, I I am more than OK wearing wearing a mask, especially in the winter. In the summer, I, I, I get it. Like, I get that masks can be annoying. Like, that's that's, you know, it's yeah, that's, it it's can. Fair, You're schwitzing. You know? It's like, yeah, I got one of but, those um, those lighter ones that a restaurant was had a, a restaurant that I went to. Uh, in Manhattan, Baltazar had, they had, um, I ate outside and then I went in the bathroom and they had all these free masks and free latex gloves and anybody could take them. And it was really cool. And they had the kind of mask that's, um, it looks a little bit like an accordion and it's, it's very lightweight, but it still does the job and it's not as heavy. And I took one, I, I wanted to take more, but I was like, no, Sarah, you can just buy them. Don't take them from the restaurant. Um, and that one is so much more comfortable than the heavy cloth mask. Although I love a heavy cloth mask with a fashion like moment for the winter time, those light ones are really nice for the summer. Yeah, just leave, leaving the restaurant with a handful of a uh, handful of masks and some ketchup packets or something. <laughs> hey, sorry, you're in the industry that arguably got hit the worst by this whole thing. Uh, nice to see you surviving. Let me steal your things. Yeah. People what else that. can I get for free? Yeah. People um, really connect to that. Yeah, that's their that's their jam. But on on that delightful note, <laughs> don't <think> steal masks. <laughs> don't steal masks. That's gonna be that's gonna be the lesson from this uh this this podcast. But Sarah, thank you so much for s- stopping by and yeah, and this is awesome. With me and, and it's so that. rad is to it, hang out with you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That, that we we should we should speak more than once every uh, fifteen here, months here. or so. <laughs> like, uh, Twitter is cool, but it's also just yeah. nice to like actually talk to you and see your face and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And that, and that's why that's why we're recording this. I I always have I have it set up where it's you know where you can it records what we say but not what we see because I just like to be able to see people when I talk to them. I like that too. And I think it helps with interviewing and it's also helps with our mental health. Like I I haven't made a new episode of, well, this isn't normal in a few months because I had to move and um, write jokes for robot puppets, but um, I could have made time. I just was like very tired, but I think I'm going to pick, this is making me want to like pick it up again. And, and um, because it is just so nice and obviously it doesn't have to be our friendship talks do should not be recorded most of the time but it is really <laughs> nice to just get to talk to your your friends face to face through a screen like and also this is star trek shit still i'm still impressed like my grandma told me she never got over she passed away a few years ago my grandma jean and she always was still impressed by the technology that just 
automatically opens doors for you at the grocery store. (laughs) And I therefore still think it's cool. But I also think like being able to talk to each other in real time through a screen, it has absolutely, I mean, you know, through my sober people meetings and stuff, that absolutely saved me to be able to do that online is huge. And just to see friends and family was huge. Yeah, definitely. And that's, um, it, I, I think that both of us have this sort of, cause we, we both, you know, are part of that sort of era of people who growing up, it's like, we didn't always have the internet. And then when yeah. we did, it was, you know, super slow and it would dial up and, you know, all of that. And even, you know, thinking back then thinking, oh yeah, no, I can, I can talk. I'll be able to talk to someone and see them super clear and it, there will be no lag and it'll be perfect. That like, that's just, it's still amazing to me. Every I'm, I just love thinking about technology as it advances and, you know, try to ignore the creepy aspects of it. So, yeah. And sometimes obviously we can't because we get, you know, harassment and different things, Yeah, but, um, but, but, Overall, if we're, I really like Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism. I don't abide by all its principles, but the idea that you don't have to um, kick it all out the door, you figure out how to maximize your enjoyment. You look at, you do a, you do a cost benefit analysis in your own life, and you, which is what I wish more people would do with vaccines. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, what is the you don't you don't you, what what is the risk here and what is the reward for not just me, but potentially the humans with whom I interact. And then you make a call based on that. And so something like this, I think is, is really lovely. Definitely. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Let's, uh, let's do it again sometime. And you know, with, with, without the recording for a podcast. Yay! <laughs> Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> Thank you to Sarah Benincasa. As always, you can find a full transcript of today's episode at readthepresentage.com.